All right, brethren, let's turn to Isaiah 50. It's so good to be with you. Uh, I think I have a message that I hope will be a blessing to you. The Lord will bless it to our hearts. Isaiah chapter 50. Our title is A Child of Light in Darkness. A Child of Light in Darkness. And now this is the Lord Jesus speaking. Now I want you to get that. This is Christ speaking. And he describes two people, two kinds of people. And he gives us command. He gives a command to each kind of person. Verse 1, I mean, uh, verse 10, he speaks to a believer. This is a child of light who is in darkness. Now look what he says, verse 10. Who is among you that feareth the Lord, that feareth Jehovah, that obeyeth the voice of his servant, that obeyeth Christ Jesus, his servant? That walketh in darkness and hath no light. Let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. And then verse 11 is the opposite. This is a child of darkness walking in light that he has kindled. It's a child of darkness walking in light that he has kindled. Verse 11, behold, all ye that kindle a fire that compass yourselves about with sparks. Walk in the light of your fire and in the sparks that you have kindled. This shall you have of mine hand. You shall lie down in sorrow. Now let's hear the Lord's word here first of all to this child of darkness that's walking in his own light. This is somebody who is a self-born person a sinner who thinks that he made himself be born again by his will, by something he did. This is a self-sanctifying man who has separated himself and made himself holy by his obedience to the law. A self-righteous man who thinks he's made himself justified before God by his deeds. He's walking in light he's kindled, trusting his will and trusting his works. And the Lord says... Behold, all ye that kindle a fire. Walk, he's walking in the, he compasses himself about with sparks. This is somebody that's confident, never troubled, never troubled. He can tell everybody else how to live, and he can critique others. He's never troubled himself. He's sure he's got light. The Lord says, walk in the light of your fire and in the sparks that you've kindled. This shall you have of mine hand, you shall lie down in sorrow. Now hear what the Lord's saying. Never trust your will. Never trust your own works. Never put confidence in anything you've done for salvation. Nothing we do can save us. Absolutely nothing we can do shall save us. The true child of God, this is what Paul said, we're the circumcision. We're the circumcision. Circumcision is not outward. It's not something you do in the flesh. It's not works that men do to try to be saved it's a heart work that god does and here's the traits of a man that's circumcised in heart born of the spirit of god we worship god in the spirit we have a new spirit in which we worship god and we rejoice one place in christ jesus the lord 
and we have no confidence in our flesh. We're not looking at anything we've done. Everything is in Christ. But now let's hear what our Lord says to the child of light. Now this is a vastly different person. He has light from the Lord, been born again. But listen to the description, verse 10. Who's among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his servant, that walketh in darkness and hath no light? This is a sinner born again of God, truly born again of God. We have light because God has shined Christ the light into our hearts. Paul said that the same one who commanded the light to shine out of darkness in creation spoke. He spoke through this gospel, and he shined light into our hearts to reveal the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. This is somebody who truly has light. A light from God. God's put a fear of the Lord in you, where you reverence the Lord. You, you have an awe of God, and you want to be found in Christ. And so you obey the voice of his servant. That's Christ. That's the voice of, that's Jehovah's servant, the God-man mediator. You've been brought to believe on him and trust him and obey his voice. You want to obey him in everything you do. And you obey his servant that he's given to have the rule over you. The man he's given to preach the gospel to you. This is somebody that hears him and wants to obey him and has a fear of the Lord. But as God's saints, sometimes the child of light walks in darkness. We walk in darkness. This is not the condition of all of God's children. Nor is it the condition of, that God's child suffers all the time. But usually at some point, all God's children do suffer this darkness. And some of God's children suffer it much of the time. Some of God's children walk in darkness a lot of the time. A lot of the time. Now, when he says it, walk in darkness, it doesn't mean you're without the light of Christ. Christ promised this in John 8, 12. He said, I am the light of the world. He's the light of his people wherever they are in this world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Once Christ shines the light in your heart, you're going to have Christ the light. He's not going to take his light away from you. He's not going to remove his light away from you. And that light's going to get shine more and more as you go through this world as you go through this life of faith the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more into the perfect day when the sun's first coming up in the morning you can just barely see but the sun keeps coming up and it gets brighter and it gets brighter and it gets brighter that's what it is to have the light of christ and the more his light shines at first you can just see a little of your sin but you see christ the light but the more that light shines, the more you see your sin. And the more that light shines, the more you see your sin. And see, it works like this. It works just the opposite of how re reform religion and these others say it works. You know, they say you're progressively getting holier and holier and stronger and stronger and stronger. What really happens is this for the child of God. As you get older in your physical body, your strength is going to go little by little by little by little by little. So you're not going to sin as much outwardly as you did when you was 20 years old. Just ain't going to happen. 
that has nothing to do with sanctification whatsoever. They hadn't made you one whit holier at all. You just got too old to sin like you used to. But the more that light shines in your heart, as you're not sinning as much outwardly, you're seeing the sin of your inward man more. And you're seeing more and more, this is what I've been all along. It wasn't just my hands and my feet. It's what I am. And that's true growth in grace. That's, that's really growing. And so as that light increases, he increases and you decrease. But most of us know by experience that we have dark seasons. You have some dark times. Sometimes it's just a dark hour or two. Sometimes it's a dark day. Sometimes it's weeks and months. And sometimes it may be long seasons of darkness. Every believer still has a sin nature, so it's only darkness. So you're going to have some darkness from your sin nature. We live in a world that's only darkness. There's going to be cares of this world and worldly cares you have, things, legitimate things you have to take care of that are going to cause you to have some darkness. You're going to lose loved ones that you love. That's going to cause you to have seasons of darkness. You're going to have Satan's temptations. And sometimes we just don't feel the light of God's presence. That's just how it is, plain and simple. Some seasons we just don't have any light giving us assurance. We have a lot of spiritual trials. But learn from God's creation. You look outside and on some days it's so cloudy. Y'all have June gloom. And it's so cloudy and, and, and you can't see the sun shining. But the sun's still shining. You just can't see it. And Christ is always shining, even when you can't see him. And true faith, true faith is trusting him even when you're in darkness. That's true faith. Now, let's see what he says to us here. In this passage, the Lord Jesus is going to use himself as our example. He's going to use himself when he walked this earth as our example. He's going to show us what the Father did for him. And by that, he's showing us what he's going to do for you. All right? Sometimes the darkness is due to us just not being able to hear the word of our Savior. You come here, you sit down, and you can't hear the word. Don't do what most people do. Most people, when they hear the gospel preached and they're blessed in their heart, oh, the Lord bless me. And when they don't hear the word preached, it's the preacher's fault. Sometimes you can't hear the word of our Savior speaking to your heart, and it's a dark season. It's a dark season. But remember how we have Christ, Christ the light. We have Christ the light the same way he had light when he walked this earth. It's by the Spirit of God. The Lord God poured out the Spirit on him without measure. And he's going to give you the Spirit. He has if you've been born of him, and he will. And that's how he's going to speak into your heart. But look what he says here in verse 4. The Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learned. This is Christ speaking. The Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. He wakeneth morning by morning, he wakeneth mine ear to hear as the learned. Now God our Father gave our Lord Jesus the Holy Spirit without measure. 
That's what the scripture says. When he was baptized, the Spirit of God came down and lit upon him, and God spoke from heaven and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And he had the Spirit without measure. Our Savior said he wakeneth morning by morning. He wakeneth mine ear to hear as the learned. Now, don't forget who we're talking about here. This is Christ when he walked this earth. But if you look back at verse 2, he'll tell you who he is. At verse 2, he said, Wherefore, when I came, was there no man? When I called, was there none to answer? Is mine hand shortened at all that it cannot redeem? Or have I no power to deliver? Behold, at my rebuke, I dry up the sea. I make the rivers a wilderness. Their fish stink because there's no water and die for thirst. I clothe the heavens with darkness. And I make sackcloth their covering. This is the same one that's saying, The Lord God gave me the tongue of the learned. He's God. He is God, the Son of God, who can do all these things. But when he came as a man, the God-man depended on the Father to give him the Spirit and wakened his ear morning by morning and taught him morning by morning that he may be able to speak a word to them that are weary. That's me and you. So when our Lord walked this earth in John 8, 28, if you want to look there, John 8, 28, let's look and see what he said. He said, He said, when you've lifted up the Son of Man, then you shall know that I am. And I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. Now listen to me. That's something Christ could say that you and I can't ever say. I always do those things that please him. But because Christ came and he did always do what pleased the Father, he did that on behalf of his people. And if you're one that hears his voice and obeys his voice and believes him, you've done all things that please the Father. And Christ will hear you. He will, he will not leave you alone just like the Father didn't leave him alone. And that's what he's teaching us. So just like the Lord God gave our substitute the Holy Spirit, he's going to give the Holy Spirit to his child. And he's the head of the church that he might get the glory for filling all in all. It's his glory to do this. And so by the Holy Spirit, he's going he gonna to birth his children anew. And then as the gospel is going forth, he's going to teach you in your heart. That's what he's promised to do. Go to John 17. I want you to see this. I wasn't going to get you turned to all these scriptures, but it's pretty good to do it. We may go a little longer because we're going to look at some scripture. John 17. This is what he did for the apostles. Look at this. John 17, 8. This is his high priestly prayer. He said, I've given unto them the words which thou gavest me. You see this? I'm trying to show you that the Father gave, opened his ear and gave him the words as our substitute. And he opened the ears of his apostles and he gave them the words. That's why the Lord gave him the Spirit, that he might speak a word in season to them that are weary so he did that to the apostles look at verse 18 as thou hast sent me into the world even so i have i also sent them into the world then he's going to speak of you and me who are sitting right here look at verse 20 neither pray i for these alone but for them also which shall believe on me through their word that's some of you sitting right here the gospel came down the generations to us right here and what did he do verse 26 he said, I've declared unto them thy name, Father, and I will declare it 
He declared it to the apostles. He kept declaring it to the apostles. He declared it to some they preached to, and they were born again. He declared it some that they preached to, and they were born again. And he did the same thing till he got to you. And he's hopefully, by God's grace, doing it tonight. He said, I'll declare your name, and I'll keep declaring it to them. That's Christ doing that. And so he tells us in verse 4, he said, the Lord, back to Isaiah 50, he said, the Lord God's given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that's weary. And so what's our Redeemer telling you and me? He said, when you're in dark seasons and you're in the darkness, he said, stay on your God. Believe your God. Keep your, keep your heart set on him. Looking to him. Don't look anywhere else. Wait on him. Trust him. Even when you're in the darkness. Christ will continue to speak a word in season to you and me who are weary in darkness. Christ said, the Father wakens my ear morning by morning. He waketh my ear to hear as to learn. And Christ promises to do the same thing for you that are his. Listen to this from Lamentations 3.21. Jeremiah went through a dark season. He went through a dark season. And he said, This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. It's of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. Because his compassions fail not, they are new every morning. That's what he said here. The Father woke his ear morning by morning. And he, Jeremiah said, His mercies are new every morning. His compassions fail not. It's good to, for them Unto them that wait for him. The Lord is good to them that wait for him. He, he'll put you in darkness and he won't speak to you and he won't let you know he's there. Why? For you to wait for him. For him to speak. You can't just turn this, this thing of having Christ speak and you knowing his presence. It's not like flipping on a light switch. We have to wait on him. And faith is waiting on him when you don't have anything to convince you that you even have him. Face just waiting on him, trusting he's going to come again and speak to your heart. I was going to give this a little later. Let me give it to you right now. This is what Habakkuk said. Listen to this now. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, you imagine if you were living in a time that this is going on. The fig tree will not blossom. There's no fruit in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail. The field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold. There shall be no herd in the stalls. That sounds about like if, if our whole economy fell flat and there was no crops and there was no food to eat and there was nothing whatsoever and we suffered the worst depression we've ever been through. No evidences whatsoever that God's anywhere around. Yet Habakkuk said, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God's my strength. He will make my feet like hinds feet. He'll make me walk upon my high places. He said, I'll just wait on him. I'll just wait on him. So you may not feel like coming to hear your pastor during that season. That's usually when we're in a dark season, we don't feel like picking the book up. We don't feel like coming to the services. We have all our reasons why we can't do it. Listen, if Christ speaks to you in your darkness, this is how he's going to do it right here. He's going to do it through the preaching of the gospel. 
It's one of the ways, the wisdom of God, to unite his people together and make us know how we need the gospel is to make you suffer these seasons of darkness and then him, you'd be sitting here in a service one night and he speaks and it's like the sun's popped out. And he makes you know this is how he's doing it. This makes you need each other because so, you need the gospel. And this is how he makes you know you need the gospel. It's his glory to do this. So you keep coming. You keep coming to hear even when you're in the darkness. This is how he's going to do it. Now, secondly, sometimes the darkness is due to trials that we must suffer. But consider the trial Christ suffered on our behalf. We go through our trials, and we think they're the worst thing. You know, they're, they're just terrible. And the devil wants you to think that you're the only one suffering anything like you're suffering. That's what Peter said. But he said, know this, that the Lord is accomplishing the same afflictions in your brethren. You're not the only one suffering what you're suffering. All your brethren are going through the same thing. Go read that First Peter 5. He, he said, cast your care on the Lord, resist the devil, believe in on Christ, because he said he's walking about seeking whom he may devour. And he, he said, and know that the Lord's accomplishing the same afflictions in your brethren. The Lord's working the same things in your brethren. The devil don't want, he wants you to think you, you're the only one that ever suffered like yourself. So you'll have pride in your suffering. Oh, you'll be so down and out and everything's so bad and so proud that nobody's ever suffered like you have. We're a mess now. We're a mess. But think about when you're in that place, you think about what the Lord suffered. Listen to this, verse 5. He said, The Lord God hath opened mine ear, and I was not rebellious, neither turned away back. This is a picture of the willing bondservant. His master was so good when it was time he could go, he said, I don't want to go free. I, I love my master. I love my bride. I love my children. I want to stay and serve. And so they took him to a doorpost, Scripture said, and they put it all through his ear. They opened his ear. They gave, they gave him a mark to let him know this, he belongs to this master. And our Lord Jesus said, that's called a willing bondservant, the law of the willing bondservant, Exodus 21. And our Lord Jesus is saying, that pictured me. <laughs> That's what he's telling us right here. The Lord opened my ear, and I didn't turn back and wasn't rebellious. Lord God gave his people, a, a, his people to his son to glorify him in our salvation. But what was it going to take? What does the Lord mean? I wasn't rebellious. I didn't turn back. It was going to take him coming down and taking flesh like his brethren. It was going to take him being of no reputation. The Lord of glory who deserves all reputation coming down and making himself of no reputation and taking the form of a servant and serving God in perfect obedience in the place of his people unto the death of the cross. And our Lord Jesus said, when he opened my ear and told me that, I said, he said, I wasn't rebellious. I didn't turn away back. I didn't turn away back. Now, if he's given you ears to hear, he said there, who of you obey the voice of his servant? Do you hear Christ speaking? You want to obey him? We don't have to suffer darkness near like what he suffered. But the darkness is necessary. We do have to suffer some darkness. We have to be humbled. He willingly humbled himself. We won't willingly humble ourselves. We have to be humbled. 
He made himself of no reputation. We won't willingly make ourselves of no reputation. We like to tell everybody how long we've been in the faith and how much we know and all of that. Well, the Lord will humble you down off of that. He will. How's he going to do it? He's going to give you some darkness. And he's going to make you submit to him and wait on him and trust him. John Newton said it best. You ever prayed that you want God to grow you in grace and knowledge and ask him, Lord, teach me. Grow me in faith. Grow me in grace. Grow me in knowledge. This is what John Newton wrote. I ask the Lord that I might grow in faith and love and every grace. Might more of his salvation know and seek more earnestly his face. T'was he who taught me thus to pray. And he, I trust, has answered prayer, but it has been in such a way as almost drove me to despair. I hope that in some favorite hour at once he'd answer my request, and by his love's constraining power subdue my sins and give me rest. Instead of this, he made me feel the hidden evils of my heart. Let the angry powers of hell assault my soul in every part. Yeah, more with his own hand he seemed intent to aggravate my woe. Crossed all the fair designs I schemed, cast out my feelings, and laid me low. Lord, why is this, I trembling cried, would thou pursue thy worm to death? Tis in this way, the Lord replied, I answer prayer for grace and faith. These inward trials I employ from self and pride to set thee free. Break thy schemes of earthly joy, that thou mayest seek thy all in me. That's what the Lord's doing. That's the reason for the darkness. When you have nothing else but Christ, you know who you'll call on? Him. When you don't have anybody else you can call on. If you've got if a drowning man's got just one little one little splinter he can latch on to, he'll latch on to that one little splinter. And the Lord will take you to where you don't have anything but him so that you just trust him only. But by opening our ear, he makes his child a willing bondservant too. And the love of Christ constrains us. We, we begin to judge that if one died for all his people, then all his people died. And we live now that we shouldn't live unto ourselves, but unto him that gave himself for us and died for us. That's what his love constrains you to do. You think about what Christ suffered. Is there anything he could call on you to do that would be too much? After what he suffered for, for his people? Is there anything he could call on you to do that would be too much? He said, I was not rebellious. I didn't turn away back. Some people do. Some people follow a while, and they make a big splash, and they come up fast, and they sound like they know a lot, and they, boy, they're dedicated, and well, I'll be here, and I'm, on, I'm behind it, and, you know, hoorah, hoorah. The Lord had some like that, called him king. Oh, we want to make you the king. You rule us forever. And he said, you can't know me unless my father gives you a heart to know me. He said, you can't have any life except you eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they had no idea what that meant. They said, give us the works we can work. He said, this is the work. Believe on him whom my father has sent. That's the work. 
and they turned around and went back. They were rebellious. They turned their back, and they went away. And he turned to his apostles, and he said, You go away too? And they said, Lord, you have the words of eternal life. We believe you're the Christ. To whom shall we go? Is he all you got? If he's all you got, you'll stay with him. Well, sometimes our darkness is due to being opposed for the sake of the gospel of our Redeemer. Sometimes that's the reason we have darkness. We're being opposed for the gospel we stand for. Our Savior speaks a word in season to us who are weary, and he tells you to remember, remember how he suffered for his people. Look at verse 6. I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. Why didn't he? Why why'd he just give his face to such awful treatment? Why did he, when, when he had men that, and women he was preaching the gospel to and that and he was walking amongst this world, when they began to rear back and just pluck the hair of, of his beard out and spit in his face, why did he keep on with the work the Father sent him to do? Why didn't he just quit? Why didn't he just quit? That's a lot to bear. Utter rejection. People just plummeting you in your face and then taking you and nailing your hands and your feet to a cross and calling you every name in the book, that just how much they hated you. Why did he keep on going on with this work? Verse 7. Here was his confidence. For... For the Lord God will help me. Therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like a flint. And I know that I shall not be ashamed. You want to talk about some darkness? <laughs> Was there any darkness like our Savior's darkness? He hath made him sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And when he bore the sin of his people, God the Father turned his back on his son, the just judge of heaven and earth did it. And you know what happened? At noonday, it went black as night over the whole world for three hours. You want to talk about somebody who suffered darkness? People despised and rejected him. His apostles he came to lay down his life for, and his people he was dying for turned and ran and left him by himself. And God the judge turned his back on him. He didn't have anybody. In my worst day, I've always had somebody. He didn't have anybody. The holiness of God demanded it. Justice had to be satisfied in order for God to show you mercy. That's why he did it. And though God forsook him in justice, and he hung there in that darkness, that was his shining glory. 
And it takes faith to look into that darkness and see the most glorious light you'll ever see. But that's what it was. Christ manifesting the wisdom and righteousness of God. And he accomplished what he came to do. The Lord said, He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I'll divide him a portion with the great, and he'll divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul unto death. You know what that means? I'm going to give you the real simple definition of what it means. He poured out his soul unto death. He couldn't have given nothing else. He gave everything he could possibly give. And it took everything for him to give everything to redeem us from all our sin. He was numbered with the transgressors. We just don't. You know, if you're falsely accused, that, that hurts to be falsely accused. This is the sinless son of God. But he wasn't falsely accused. He was made sin. That's worse than being falsely accused. And before God who's just, God looked upon, upon his son as being guilty. Because he was. He bore the sin of his people. God doesn't pour out justice on the innocent. He only pours out justice on the guilty because that wouldn't be justice to pour out wrath on the innocent. If he ever punished an innocent man one time, he might do it again. He won't do it again because he didn't do it the first time. He poured out justice on his son because he bore the sin of his people. That's why he was numbered with the transgressors and he bare the sin of many. And he made intercession for the transgressors. You know what that means? It means so much more than he prayed for us. He did pray for us. It means he did everything necessary and justified us completely from our sins so that God says, looks at you and says what he says of his son. You that believe, he says, he always does that which is pleasing in my sight. <laughs> That's all he's ever done. What about his sins? Your accuser will go, well, what about his sin? I saw him sin. I know he sinned. What about his sin? God says, he's always done everything that pleases me. That's all he's ever done. That's what he says of his people because that's what Christ did. We go through our light afflictions and our little dark seasons, and there's no joy and there's no comfort. And we're prone to think the Lord's removed all his blessings from us. That's what we start thinking. But what we're doing in that, you're in a dark season. You don't feel his presence. You don't feel assurance. You feel like everybody's against you. And so you don't think you have God's presence. Providence is bad. Providence looks dark. He's turned your world upside down. He's taken your loved ones. He's taken your job. All these things are against you. And you think... Am I God's? And the devil's just raging on you the whole time in your heart saying, you can't possibly be God's. You wouldn't be suffering all this if, if you were God's. The devil will come to you and say, I think God's taking you out of the ministry. I think God's kicking you out of the church. That's what the devil will say to you. And he'll use men to say it. But when you're in that place and you don't think God's with you, I'll tell you what you're doing. You're looking to your feelings. 
We look way too much to our feelings. It might be indigestion. I wouldn't look to my feelings. Stay upon the Lord in faith in the darkness. That's true, that's true faith. The darkness does not mean God has withdrawn his face or his grace. It doesn't mean that. His face maybe, but not his grace. Him withdrawing his, the light of his countenance from you so that you don't feel his presence. You go through and do a word study sometime of the light of his countenance. That's what it is that makes you have that assurance in your heart. It's the light of his countenance. Now, he might withdraw his face from you, and you don't feel that. But he won't ever withdraw his grace from you. In fact, him bringing you to that place is grace to you to make you trust him even when you don't have the feelings. Listen to this, what Cowper wrote. God moves in a mysterious way his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Deep in unfathomable minds of never-failing skill, he treasures up his bright designs and works his sovereign will. You fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds you so much dread, dark. They're big with mercy, and they shall break in blessings on your head. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. His purpose will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. Blind unbelief is sure to err and scan his work in vain. God is his own interpreter. He will make it plain. In other words, that's just what our Lord's telling us here, when you're in the darkness, stay upon the Lord and trust him. All right, look at it, verse 10. Who's among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his servant, that walketh in darkness and hath no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. Now, I want you to catch what our Savior said in verse 8. Now, hang on to these words. Here's what he said. This is what gave him all the confidence when he faced the cross. He said, He is near that justifieth me. Who will contend with me? Let us stand together. Who's mine adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord God will help me. Who is he that shall condemn me? Though they all shall wax old as a garment, and the moth shall eat them up. He believed the word of his covenant, Lord God, and he believed that when he had satisfied justice, God would raise him from the grave and justify him, and he did that, and he justified his people in him. Your life, if you believe Christ, you died with him, and your life is hid with, in Christ at God's right hand. But now pay attention to those words. You see what he said? He's near that justified me. He Who will contend with me? Let us stand together. Who's my adversary? Let him come near. He'll help me. Who's going to condemn me? Go to Romans 8. The next time you're in that place, you stay upon the Lord, and you just repeat these same words, just like our Savior did when he was going to that cross. That's what he said when he was going to that cross. Here's the words he gives you to speak. Look how much they're just like those words. Romans 8, 33. Who will lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's God that justifies. 
Who is he that condemneth? It's Christ that died, yea, rather that's risen again, who's even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it's written, for thy sake we're killed all the day long, we're counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nope. In all these things, we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. That's just what he said in Isaiah 50 when he went to the cross. So when you go through your cross, where do you think Paul got that? He got it from Isaiah 50. He got it from our Lord's word. And that because of what Christ accomplished. He said, now, who's among you that feareth the Lord? You fear the Lord? Do you have a reverence in your heart for the Lord? Do you obey the voice of his servant? Do you believe Christ is all your salvation and you want to do whatever he tells you to do? Well, he just told you what to do. Well, he said this, when you're walking in darkness and you have no light, you want to obey him? He says, trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon your God. Just, just keep trusting him. I pray he'll bless that. Amen.